Are you a church leader trying to navigate the tension of doing ministry both online and in person? Welcome to the Bricks and Clicks Church Leadership Podcast, a podcast where church leaders and ministry experts share ideas, solutions, and experiences about making church work both in person and online. Meet the hosts of Bricks and Clicks, a Brit and an Aussie who became friends in their efforts of making churches irresistible. Duncan Banks lives just outside London, England, and Jason Perkins lives in Brisbane, Australia. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Banksy and Perko. G'day everyone, welcome to the Bricks and Clicks podcast. This is episode one. I'm here with my good friend, Duncan Banks in the UK. How are things in London, mate? Yeah, it's raining today, so it's a bit grim. And I never know, you guys say g'day in Australia, and I never know how to respond because we're much more refined. We say good morning, yes, you know, like good. the Queen over here. So it's very different. Yeah, that is very different. But one thing that's not different is that it's raining in England. Seems like it's pretty pretty typical for you guys, even in the summer months. Well, Duncan, we had the most fantastic conversation recently with Reggie Joyner from Orange and Dave Adamson, director of Orange, New Zealand and Australia. And we wanted to share this on our first episode with our listeners. Super excited about it. So take a listen. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our webinar tonight with Dave Adamson, Reggie Joyner, and my good friend, Duncan Banks from the UK. It's good evening here in Australia, but if you are watching from the UK, hope that you're enjoying your lunch today. And if you're on the East Coast of the United States where Dave and Reggie are located, good morning. And I hope you got a really strong cup of coffee to get your day started. And we hope that this webinar will help you get your day started in a great way. I'm actually certain that it'll do that, especially um, for those of you. Look at that. Reggie's got an orange cup um, and he's representing well today. For those of you that don't know, um, those that are on the call, Duncan Banks is the director of the Further Faster Network in London, England, and uh, helps to lead a network, an affiliate network of North Point Partner Network in the United States for the UK and Ireland. Dave Adamson is uh, transitioning to a brand new role, which is super exciting, um, directing the uh, initiatives of Orange in both uh, Australia and New Zealand. And so super excited about that transition, Dave, and we're pumped to get you back down to the Southern Hemisphere here shortly. COVID willing. We used to say Lord willing. Now we say COVID willing. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we're excited to have you back down, down under, Dave. And then Reggie Joyner, for those of you that don't know, Reggie Joyner, founder, CEO of Orange and uh, was actually one of the founding members of the team that started North Point Community Church. Some of you may know the name Andy Stanley. Reggie and that team launched that church now, I think 25 years ago. Is that right, Reggie? Long time ago. Long time ago. Reggie, some of the, some of the times when I explain to people Orange or I talk about Orange Curriculum, one of the first questions I get from people oftentimes is, hey, what's with the name? Where did this name Orange come from? And I know that it has to do with you guys' philosophy of ministry. Could you maybe just share with us what that's all about? Sure. Um, we originally were called the Rethink Group and because we were rethinking a lot of how we do ministry, discipleship. And somewhere along the way, because we represent the partnership that exists between um, the church and the home, we decided because we kept saying two combined influences make greater difference or bigger difference than just two separate influences. The idea being that when we have discovered churches and homes getting on the same page, the impact on a kid is, is more, is just greater. So 
um, we decided, well, let's find something that illustrates that. So we thought, well, you could take two different colors, put them together and create a third color. And uh, so then we started going, well, we can't use pink. Breast cancer has pink. We can't use green. <laughs> Environmentalists have green. We can't use purple. Prince has purple. Yeah. And so we decided, you know what? Orange works. I mean, it's the light of the home, which is, I mean, the light of the church, which is yellow, the heart of the family, which is red. And again, together, they make a different kind of impact and a different kind of result. And so what happened was we created the Orange Conference uh -huh. and uh, to say, hey, let's all get together. Let's figure out how to make sure that kids pastors and student pastors partner with the church and the home. And about three or four years in, we did a national survey with churches all over the country and asked the question, you know, what are your perceptions of Rethink? How do you see them? And everybody kept saying, oh, you mean the people who do orange? Yeah. And so somewhere in the process, the board said, well, why are we calling it Rethink? We should just call it orange. So, I love it. I love it. Hey, we've got people tuning in from all parts of the world, obviously down here in the Southern Hemisphere. I see a bunch of people in the chat that are uh, saying hi to Aussie Dave, um, which is awesome. Uh, we also have some people from the UK and Ireland that have registered and joined us on the webinar uh, today as well. We'd love to know where you're tuning in from, wherever you're watching from. If you would just jump into the chat, let us know where you're coming from and also what church that you're affiliated with. Maybe you serve there and as a staff member, or maybe you're a key volunteer, which by the way, we think that the volunteers are actually the ones who run the whole show anyway. So if whatever capacity you're in, we'd love to know where you're tuning in from and what church you represent. And then Duncan, why don't you just give us real quickly overview of what we're going to be doing today. And I know we've got some big things we want to, we want to tackle with Reggie and Dave on the call. Uh, Jason, I, I love this. All the uh, all the Brits are, are just waiting for someone to invite them to chat, whereas all the Aussies are straight in there, shouting yeah. loudly, "I'm here! This is I'm me!" That's <laughs> it's it. just great. Oh, absolutely uh, so good. Hey, so by the end of our time together, we want to help those of you who are really struggling to connect with your families. We want to give you some tips and tricks, mainly from Reggie and Dave, because of their vast experience. Give you some tips and tricks on how to how to re-engage your families and how to re-engage kids and re-engage teenagers. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with pastors who are saying, I feel like I've lost my families. I feel like we're losing a generation of, of, of children and teenagers because church is online and people are choosing to watch on demand. They're not all turning up at the same time. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with, with uh, either volunteers or staff members who work with students and, and, and kids and teenagers who say, I know how to do it when they're in the room, but I am totally confused as to how to do it online. And it seems like in the UK, we're going to be doing online church um, exclusively for an, a good six months plus yet. So we've got a long haul in this. Um, mm -hmm. So anything you guys can give us to help us, to some, some just simple things, some, some next steps will be like gold dust to our pastors. So, uh, yeah. so by the end of this call, you'll have some clear next steps, some clear ideas of how you can re-engage your families and your children and get them to fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with your church all over again. Yeah, absolutely. So Reggie, one of the things we're noticing as I like Duncan talk with church leaders across Australia, families and parents especially are just being asked to do so much. Like the, the home has become the center of the universe. It's the place we're doing schooling. People are working from home. 
they're socializing, you know, obviously at home because they're stuck at home. If you're in Melbourne right now in Australia, they're on the strictest uh, lockdown that we've had in our country in this entire pandemic right now because of the outbreak. So the home is just being asked to do so many things and inundated with so many responsibilities. What do you feel like, Reggie, is probably the greatest way a church right now could partner with parents during this time when they're being asked to do so much? Yeah, I, I think I would kind of start back at the beginning for a second and just um, qualify in, in my mind as a leader or church leader what my goal really is. I think I, I have to go back to the beginning because I think we have been programmed for so long to think our goal to reach parents, to help parents, to help families is to actually get them into our building. And so somewhere in the context of us having decades and decades of thinking that's the win, that's how we measure success. Now we're having an identity crisis because all of a sudden we can't get them into our building. We can't do what we've always done. And so that, that implies something else that I would challenge everybody who's listening to think about, because I think if you, if you would wrap your head around this one idea, it would open you up to start being creative in different ways. I, I think creativity can thrive in crisis because we're forced to think outside of the boxes that we're used to. And, and so I'm going to give you this one idea. And the one idea is this, this, when we help parents win, it has less to do with getting them in our building than it does to do with us seeing what their needs are and meeting their needs. We have, mm -hmm. we have been programmed for so long to think <laughs> the best way for me to help a parent win is to get them into my program. The problem is that's not the way parents think there, there aren't any parents out there going, Hey, I, I think you're really helping me win when I come to your church. They've got all these other issues, which are now magnified, which are their relationships, their education of their kids. As a matter of fact, if we had on this Zoom call today, most of the parents in your community, and they were listening to us have this conversation, they would be going, whoa, wait a second, I'm, I'm confused. You think what I need somehow is to get back in your building. That's really not what I need. The last I have thing I'm thinking about. Of, yeah. So, yeah. so here, here's the bottom line. And then we can go from here and yeah. if we get into the technology and the, the, you know, online and how to do Sundays at home and some of those kind of things, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what that can look like too. But at the end of the day, somewhere in the context of our framework and our thinking, we've got to recognize that the average parent is out there worried about the future of their kid. Mm. The church cares about the faith of the kid. Now, here's the problem. Most parents, not just the parents who come to your church, but especially the 80% of the parents outside your church who've never come to your church, even before the pandemic, they're not thinking about the faith of their kid. They're thinking about the future of the kid. The most important thing the church can do is to build a bridge between the idea of how faith affects the future of a kid. We leave that gap so wide open sometimes because we don't seem to care about the real issues the family's dealing with that the family doesn't really see the church as a solution or as a part of their everyday life. That's the pivot we have to make. The pivot we have to make has to start with how we see the family and how the family sees us. I love it. So good. So good. I love Reggie. The, you just, you just said out loud what every parent is saying. I, I'm totally concerned with the future of my child right now. I've got three of my own and uh, 19, 17, 15, even though they're a bit older 
and I'm kind of in this transition of moving from parent to coach right now, that is the top of mind thing that I'm thinking about all the time is their future. Obviously, as a faith-based leader, I, I sure. think that their faith is a big part of their future, but that's not the case for everybody. And how can we marry those two things together? So good. So good. So on a practical level, Reggie, then, what are some things that you are seeing either church is already doing um, or things that you wished the church was doing to put those two things together? Is there anything on a practical level that just comes to your mind? Well, I know as an organization, we've pivoted because we're already in digital spaces and we're already using uh, videos and all kinds of tools that are digital to help families have conversations. I, you know, my greatest uh, encouragement is to hear or to get, I actually get families who send me pictures of themselves watching our videos that we use on Sunday morning in church in their home. We mm. have a Sunday at home program where churches can actually customize these videos because most churches were already programmed to have their Sunday morning sermon, you know, online. So that, that's, that's one, one thing. But most churches aren't programmed to take the content that they're doing with kids every week and have it packaged or presented in a way where it can go right into the home. So in our organization, we pivoted about four months ago to simply allow families and churches to customize everything we're doing so it could go into the home specifically so that on Sunday mornings, there's a Sunday at home program. And, and there's another piece of this that I think is interesting. And I don't, I don't know enough about Australia and England to, to kind of speak into your culture, but I do know this in America, you know, before the pandemic, there were already a lot of families who didn't go to church. Mm. The pandemic, the pandemic is just a reminder to us that most of the parents aren't coming anyway. And so what I challenge leaders to think about in terms of Sunday at church and Sunday at home is that there were already a lot of families that were Sunday at home families before the pandemic ever happened. So what would it look like? And this is where I would try to challenge everybody to think outside of their box. What would it look like if the family down the road from your church or in, in the community that your church is in who doesn't attend your church, what would it look like for them to call your church their partner even if they never come to your church on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Because when the lights get turned back on, and I really believe this, I know this is true. When, when everything is over and we're past this, families who are committed to the church, who are Sunday at church families, most of them are coming back. They're, they're going to show back up and our programming will still exist. But during this window of time, when we're having to figure out how to build a bridge to their homes, what would it look like if we started being more intentional about going after the parents who have never come to our church, who for whatever reason in their mindset don't think Sunday morning in a building with three songs and a sermon is really what they want to participate in? What does it look like to build a different bridge to them so that when this is all over, we still have a partnership and a relationship with them that's so much bigger than our buildings? So I think that requires us, right, Dave, that requires us to use the platforms Yep. that they yep. use in their education systems and everywhere else to build a different kind of discipleship model. And what yeah, you're and saying, Reggie, this is, sorry, I was, can I just dive in? This yep. is brand new thinking here, Reggie, for so many of us, because I think as, as, as family ministries working with students and teens and kids, we've basically worked with the students that came to our building, the kids that came into our building, they were our flock. They were the parents and the kids that we worked with. 
And what you're beginning to talk about now is we've got to ask ourselves different questions because we've got to start asking ourselves, how do we attract um, kids and teenagers and parents who aren't already here? And I don't yeah. know, as there are many youth pastors and kids ministers who, are, who, are, who have ever asked that question because we're just working with the ones we've got. So, you know, online, how do we, how do we start equipping our kids and our teenagers and our parents to get involved with other families and invite other families? And how do we start reaching out to families, like you say, who could be so helped by our church, but have no idea where we even exist? How do we begin with those kind of conversations? Um, you want to jump in, Dave? I know you've got the digital background. Yeah, there's so many ways that, you know, those conversations can be had, Duncan. And I, I think to Reggie's point earlier, we, we need to be leveraging those tools that, uh, you know, parents, families, kids are already using and start being in those spaces. That's why, you know, one of the things, you know, I've talked with both of you guys about in the, in the past has been the emphasis of leaning into a platform like um, YouTube, for example, because the reality is, you know, nobody's sitting at home um, going, I don't know what to do with my kids right now around this situation. I wonder if there's an answer on northpoint.org. They're not just not doing that. <laughs> I wish they were, but they're just not. But what they are doing is they're going to YouTube and they're typing in, how do I homeschool my kids better? Um, yeah. How do I, how do I uh, get through a, a vacation time when we're all stuck at home? You know, in Melbourne, Australia at the moment, how do I get through five weeks of lockdown where I'm only allowed to go five kilometers from my house and only one person at a time can like, that's what they're, they're Googling at the moment. And so if the church can start leveraging tools like, like um, YouTube, I think that's when we really start to make a difference in those spaces. And this is why, you know, I think I might've mentioned this to you guys before, but this is why one of the things I love is, you know, Orange has been putting up on YouTube this Sundays at home um, program um, and just giving parents the opportunity to really uh, bridge that gap that Reggie had spoken about, but doing it on a platform that people are accessing anyway. That's where I think we, we can start to win. Yeah. And I would also say, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Reggie. Go ahead. Um, if, again, if we start back at the beginning and there are two or three unique things that our organization represents as a value in the church, you know, one is church plus home, which we talked about a while ago. Um, the other is the value of small group and relationships. Um, I think relationships have to be redefined, but don't abandon, don't abandon the potential of a small group leader who's been connected to his teenagers for two, for two or three years and how they show up through text, through digital spaces, through a small group app, through two or three ways to stay connected to their teenagers are different than what they're used to but it's important for them to leverage every tool they can, even if it's to simply put kids in a rotation and make a phone call and just encourage them. You know, I, I think that somewhere in the context of this, we're seeing digital small groups happen. A lot, I know our student ministry turned for the student ministry and youth ministry programs, a lot of our small groups into digital spaces so they could do Zoom calls around the small group questions, watch a video and come back and do that. I think those are going to work to some degree, but it's not going to work the way the physical presence work. And so I think realigning, you know, the yardstick so that volunteers who are doing this don't feel defeated if three kids show up or three teenagers have a conversation. It's back to Andy's thing. He's always said, do for a few what you wish you could do, you, you could do for many. I mean, I think it's so important right now 
to just make sure that we're, <laughs> that's good, that's good. So it's so important right now to make sure that we don't measure our success the way we've measured our success. Because if we do, we're going to feel deflated and defeated. And, and I'd love to talk about the idea of the volunteers right now for just a second, because yeah. most volunteers right now are scrambling and they're not sure what to do. And so staff members are trying to come up with different lists of things to give volunteers and volunteers are going, but I don't think this is working. And there's this uh, disconnection that's happening with volunteers. And I would love to lean into staff members and say, be careful that you don't give your volunteers more and more things to do that aren't working mm. or just give them busy work because volunteers can see through that. I think the most important thing for a staff member to do right now for a volunteer is to do for the volunteer what he hopes or she hopes the volunteer will do for two or three kids. So good. That is just show up for the volunteer. So good. Build a relationship with the volunteer. Pray for the volunteer. So Check in with them every week. Be the pastor of the volunteer. Yeah. Because the volunteer sees past, do you really care about me or yeah. do you care about what I can do for you? Yeah. So I think more than, more than any other time, there is this unique opportunity. I even heard of about a church the other day that when they started up their church on Sunday morning with social distancing and limited space at about a 20% capacity of what they would typically be able to do, make, making sure they were keeping all the rules, you know, related to COVID. They only started church service for the volunteers. They only let yeah. the volunteers be the ones who show up. And because they know the investment in relationships with those key leaders will be huge as they go forward on the other side of this issue. So I, I would say what a great opportunity for those of you who are staff or those of you who are directors or even volunteer, you know, volunteers in charge of the volunteers, this is a great time to just pour into their life everything you can do. Deliver groceries if you have to. I mean, what, what can you do to help them? Yeah. I love that. I absolutely Sounds love that. a lot. Sounds a lot, Reggie, like a guy in the first century named Jesus, what he did for 12 guys that changed the world, huh? So good. So good. Love that. Duncan, go ahead. I know you had a question. Or No, no, no. I was just, I, I was going to ask, you know, Reggie, with your, um, and, and you too, Dave, you know, you, you see the church at large now and you must, because I, I, know, I know Dave in particular, you think a lot about what future church might look like. Um, but wh what do you see will change about, children's ministry and about working with students and teenagers because of what's happened in this pandemic because people have got used to online content and not not feeling guilty about not showing up at half past 10 on a sunday morning how do you think family ministry will change in the future for the church what should we be looking out for dave you'll go first uh no please age before beauty <laughs> you just have the hair so you're bragging um <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. I think the church had already changed. I, I think the way community has seen the church, and I, I alluded to this a while ago, I mean, when we look at the stats of, of the people in our communities who have stopped going to church long before COVID, I mean, people, people had changed their perception about the church. And I think the most beautiful, powerful thing about this awful crisis is it raised a flag for the church to go, oh, what happens when people stop coming? Hmm. Oh, what about the people who had already stopped coming? Yeah. Why weren't we thinking about them anyway? Yeah. And I think it's going to require us 
to kind of live in two spaces. You know, one is the space of the people who do come back and they will, but, but I, again, I don't know what percentage they're going to come back. I don't know how slow that ramp is going to be back in, but before that happens, let's remember that the church in its growth from a physical building and people attending a building had been plateauing and declining anyway. So, and that's, that's the news that we all just have to embrace. And that, that has sent a message for the last decade or two decades that we have to rearrange how we make sure that we're helping a community and helping families and helping teenagers. And that's why, you know, we think a relationally driven organization is important because relationally driven organizations and relationally driven churches are going to have powerful moments that are happening in homes and happening in coffee shops. And the church is the catalyst for that. But somewhere in the context, and this is probably a hard pill to swallow, but somewhere in the context of how we measure success, we have to measure success by how many adults are connected to teenagers and kids on a consistent basis. We got to measure success by how many students and teenagers are showing up, not on a building, but to serve their community, because that's as much a catalyst discipleship as Bible study, prayer, and worship. We've got to measure success on how many parents that are disengaged are getting engaged with a strategy. And again, not just attending something, but in a strategy that works in their home. I mean, the yardsticks have to change. And the other thing that I would say, and I, I, I hate to just bring this up because this is definitely an American issue, is we can't disciple a generation if we don't understand how making disciples is connecting the, connected to loving your neighbor. We, we, for some reason, forget that those two things are connected. And when Jesus, you know, said to the religious elite, you know, here's the greatest commandment, love God, you know, love your neighbors yourself. He was setting in motion a new way of thinking about what we do. And I think sometimes we think it's possible to make disciples without loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to how we're reaching our communities and how we care about the people, and in America, we're dealing with you know, the racial tension. We're dealing with an unprecedented political election that's polarizing the country. We're dealing with people that are in, in different tense situations all the time. And it's, again, it seems like a dark moment, but what a great opportunity for the church to show what it looks like to actually love your neighbor and your neighbor being someone who doesn't think like you, who doesn't believe like you, who doesn't, I mean, what a great opportunity. And so somewhere in the context of the church of the future, we've got to realize that the loving your neighbor piece has got to be precedent to the making disciple piece because the generation who's watching us, who's deciding what they think about Jesus and who's deciding what they think about the church is going to make their decision based on how we treat each other. Yeah. They always have. So good. I don't, I honestly, Jason, I can't believe what I've just heard. That is like little drops of gold dust. I can imagine pastors all over the world reaching for pens and pieces of paper, rewinding and writing down some of those nuggets because it's it's just been a useful 20 minutes to listen to what that guy has had to say about reaching families online. What was the one thing that stood out for you, Perko? So Reggie asked a question that I think is so profound, COVID or no COVID? This is a fantastic question for church leaders to be wrestling with. What would it look like for a church in our community to consider our church a partner, even if they never attended our church on a Sunday? Wow. 
Could you imagine a family in the community saying, I've never been to their church for a service, but they helped me raise my children. They're helping me homeschool and all the other hats that I'm having to wear right now. Imagine what it would look like for families to say that church is our partner and I've never attended one of their services. That to me was so profound. I would love to be I would love to be in that staff meeting where the pastor gathers all his staff and maybe even his key volunteers and asks that question. You can imagine it written on a, on the wall on a whiteboard and they spend an hour or maybe two hours together figuring out what it might look like for for families in their community to say we love that place because of what they do for our kids. I've never been and I don't know if I ever will, but they've been good news to us. I'd love to to sit with a bunch of people and say what could we do? to evoke that kind of response from families in our community. Yeah, I'm super stoked, Duncan, because there is more to come of this conversation with both Reggie and Dave Adamson. In fact, in part two of this episode, Dave Adamson's gonna dive into how we leverage digital tools to connect with families and to partner with parents. I'm super stoked about that part of the conversation. But Duncan, we love connecting with people throughout the week online, even between episodes tell people that are listening how they can connect with us and continue this conversation. Yeah, this is a conversation. This isn't just a download of content. We we can be stronger when we learn from each other. So I'm really interested to hear what people, what, what ideas people have got themselves for reaching families in their community, digitally and physically in the midst of this pandemic. So keep the conversation going. You can hit us up on uh, uh, Instagram, search for Bricks and Clicks podcast. Uh, you can go to bricksandclickspodcast.com and follow the links there and keep the conversation going because we would love to hear from you. Yeah, and if you're a church leader in the UK or Ireland or down under in Australia, we'd love to be a resource for your church to reach more people that don't go to church currently in your particular context through the networks that we serve, the Further Faster Network. You can find information and directions to it at bricksandclickspodcast.com along with the Irresistible Churches Network here in Australia. Until next time, Hope you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you online. Well, we hope this episode of Bricks and Clicks was helpful. If it was, then we'd love if you could leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are leading a church in Australia, the UK or Ireland, we'd love to help you grow your church by reaching unchurched people. Go to www.bricksandclickpodcast.com and click on your country's flag to find a whole bunch of free resources to help your church go further, faster and become irresistible once again.